Follow along as I read Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 22. Uh, We'll pray and we'll get started. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listen closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek her like silver and search for her like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity and that, so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his loyal followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind, and knowledge will delight your heart. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you, rescuing you from the way of evil, from the one who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from the forbidden woman, from a stranger with her flattering talk, who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of departed spirits. None return who go to her, none reach the paths of life. So follow the way of good people and keep the paths of righteousness, for the upright will inhabit the land and those of integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous uprooted from it. (coughs) Excuse me. So this brings us to the Father's second lesson. And uh, (coughs) point A, finding the knowledge of God. In the book of Job, chapter 28, verse 12, it says, But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? That's the question that he asks, and then he turns around and answers it in verse 20. I know he continues to ask questions. Sorry about that. From where does wisdom come? And where is a place of understanding? So obviously if Job, and if you've read Job lately and remember some of the things that went on, Job was not uh, an intellectual uh, dummy. He he was pretty smart, pretty knowledgeable uh, about the Lord, about how things work. And uh, he is asking the question because... It is one of those things where wisdom is, well, let's put it this way. How many intelligent people live in the United States of America? All of them. (laughs) Uh, How many people with common sense live in America? Oh, yeah, now all of a sudden the numbers drop a lot, don't they? Well, that's the concept of wisdom, the right use of knowledge. Uh, and understanding. So um, notice the reception of words and treasuring commands. The concern for the hearing of God's word. Uh, Jesus said, he who has ears uh, to hear, let him hear. He said that eight times in the Gospels. In the book of Revelation, when he's uh, writing this letter to the seven churches, he says it seven times. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the verses cited are the chapters and verses in Revelation. One time in the book of Revelation, it is said to the general public. Now, if you remember, 
it's said in chapter 13 and verse 9. So if there's any chronological concept within the book of Revelation, and I think there's a, a chronological concept, but uh, chapter 13 isn't necessarily happening after chapter 12, depending on what's going on. But it seems as though this is somewhere in the middle or in the second half of the tribulation. There is a call out to anybody who will listen. If you got ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says. Uh, so there is a concern when it comes to hearing God's Word. Letter B, the concept of receiving with the idea of doing. Uh, in the Old Testament, you're going to see that. Uh, I'll give you three verses there. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way, uh, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice, the book of the law not departing out of your mouth, you would think God would want us saying something, right? No, the idea is, I don't want it going in, bouncing around, and then shooting out the other ear. I want you to hang on to it. You put a sucker in your mouth, don't want you taking it out every five seconds. I want you to get all the good stuff out of it. That's, that's the idea there. In Isaiah 59, 21, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So in all three of these verses, you have the idea of it goes in and you act accordingly. You keep it and do it. You don't just, oh, that's nice, and move on. And so uh, you see that in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, how about one of our favorite chapters in the James? But uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Now last week I talked about the importance of the Word, I talked about the importance of prayer, and I talked about the importance of evaluation. Well, this guy, he's seeing there's something wrong. And then he walks away and forgets about it, doesn't do anything to change, because he's not obeying the Word. How about Matthew seven twenty one? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Uh, Luke 6.47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. Romans 2.13, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. James 2.14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And the, the way it's written, written, the obvious answer is no. And then 1 John 3, 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Now, we immediately want to say, whoa, wait a minute, that sounds like salvation by works. No, you can't be righteous if there isn't righteousness put in you by God. But if it's put in you, then it's going to be practice. If it's not practice, then you're not righteous. 
He goes on to say, just as he is righteous. So uh, even in the New Testament, we see this concept of receiving with the idea of doing. And this is what the Father is calling the Son to uh, consider. Notice an expansion of verse 1 in verse 2. He says, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. So he's not asking his son to listen to him just because, but listen to him so that he can incline his ear to wisdom. Um, Accept my words, store up my commands in with, uh, within you, listening closely to wisdom. Uh, notice, uh, to prick up the ears, to hearken, to attend. This is the definition of the word for incline. Uh, so the idea is, whoop, he said something, I want to hear that. Uh, he goes on to say, and apply your heart to understanding. The word apply basically means to show or to cause to yield. Um, Sunday school this morning, <clears throat> I uh, talked about uh, what discipline includes. And uh, I said, you know, Jesus is living with the disciples for at least a year and a half, maybe two years. Uh, we think of Jesus' ministry as three years long. And the disciples show up at the beginning, they're there at the middle, and they're there at the end. But they actually had to go through a few things where they, they walked with them for a while, went back home, paid the rent, came out and walked with them, went back home, caught some fish, you know, that kind of thing. And then finally one day, he's on the boat uh, preaching to the shoreline, and then he says, hey guys, put, uh, let's go out and put the nets down. And uh, Luke chapter 5, Peter says, being the captain of the boat, we've been fishing all night, but because you said it, I'll do it. And they catch a load of fish. And at that moment, it says, uh, Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And the idea is that he fell at his uh, feet and grabbed hold of him. So he's saying, leave me, but he's hanging on to him, so he can't. And from that moment, they left and they didn't return to fishing until after the resurrection. Um, so at that point, they start being with him the whole time. So he is there to encourage them when they need encouragement, to talk to them about the questions they have, uh, to admonish them when they've blown it. Uh, it is a relational time thing. It's not just going through the motions of a Sunday school class or something like that. And uh, I said, you know, even our parenting so often is behavior-oriented. We uh, don't want them to do that because it embarrasses us in public or, or, or. And um, you got to speak to the heart. And someone asked the question, well, how do you speak to the heart? Well, first of all, if they're not saved, you're going to approach it a little bit differently. But if they're saved and they have the Spirit of God in them, then you make an appeal based on what's true about what God has done in them. And reminding them that they're someday going to be answering to God for the things they're doing, do, do you think God really wants you to slap your sister upside the head? Now, my boys would say, yeah, but obviously that is not uh, getting their heart's attention at that moment. Uh, but uh, So that is one of these things where he wants them to, uh, he, he's showing them the information so that he'll yield to the information. Uh, that's applying your heart to understanding. So letter th uh, number three, he gives an illustration uh, of how he is to incline and apply his heart. Uh, crying out for discernment. Uh, this is much like a baby 
Okay, in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Uh, we need to be looking for wisdom, uh, looking for understanding like a baby is looking for milk. And of course, where are we going to find it? We're going to go back to the Word. Uh, another illustration here, uh, as uh, you would search for her as for hidden treasures. Uh, the idea of hidden treasures, well, normally you have a map, and there's an X on the map, and there's so many steps from that tree to the X, and to get to that tree, it's on an island, so you need to go from, you know, that kind of a thing. But it, it's not just easy, you're looking for hidden, hidden treasures. And then, of course, verse 5, uh, getting to know God. Uh, letter A, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. This is the basic concept of the fear of the Lord is acknowledging God in His rightful place. Okay? Uh, one of the things that we kind of forget about is there is a God and you are not Him. Okay? Um, and this is the common thing for people in general, including Christians. We think that God is just like us. And therefore, if I think it's okay, he thinks it's okay. And we forget, someday I'm actually going to give an account for this thing. So I think if I'm going to be doing it, I really want to know what God thinks about it. That brings us back to Romans 12.2. So uh, acknowledging God in his rightful place and giving him honor and glory in how we live. Now I say that because I think when it comes to a lot of evangelical uh, Christianity in America, when it comes to speech, especially if we're in a public setting, we say all of the right things. But when it comes to saying the gospel, that's something that you turn on with a light switch on a Tuesday night because that's when our outreach program is. Uh, outside of that, oh man, we don't want to be talking to people about Jesus. We're afraid we won't have the answers. We're afraid of rejection. Oh, but, but see, that's not the issue. As I pointed out a little while back, God's program for outreach is you. It is not a, a night that you go do visitation. It's you living as a Christian before them, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, when you go shopping, you do the extra thing because that's the loving thing to do. And it should catch people's attention. Now, some people might laugh at you, and then others might sit there and say, why do you do that? So when we come back here, giving him honor and glory in how we live. If you're living the way we ought to be living, chances are God's going to open the opportunities to speak. You ought to be looking for those opportunities, but you don't have to force the opportunities, okay? Uh, letter B, and you'll find the knowledge of God. This is not just theological information. Uh, I personally can sit down, and pastor can do this too, we can sit down and read a systematic theology and, and uh, you know, uh, well, most of the time the information in it is up here, so we're going... Okay, is there another way of looking at that thing? <laughs> uh, because, you know, but we're interested in doing that, and we, we, we're stretched a little bit when we do that. But the average person, theology, 
Well, it's not that it's boring, but wow, I don't understand it. And that doesn't mean it's not understandable. It's not something you're uh, uh, exposed to all the time. So if we start talking about the, uh, uh, what's the word? It, it was right there. <laughs> um, the hypostatic union. Okay, if we start talking about that, Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. And does he have two natures? Does he have one nature? Uh, if he has two natures, is he schizophrenic? Uh, you know, when you start talking about that kind of stuff, the average person is going, I don't know that it really matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so we're not talking about uh, theological information. Notice, eternal life knowledge. Uh, let me read a couple of verses for you. Uh, John seventeen three, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In Philippians uh, 3.10, it says, That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. 1 John 2, 3 and 4. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Notice the knowledge of God affects a life. Uh, 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So it begins with the definition of eternal life. It ends with the definition of eternal life. So eternal life knowledge. Uh, this is where we're walking with Him. We're empowered by Him. Uh, we're handling the, the trials that come our way. Sometimes we fall on our face, but we're dealing with that when it happens. So that's what, I, what he means by getting to know God and finding uh, the knowledge of God. So that brings us to letter B, the source of wisdom in verses 6 through 9. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is in verses 6 through 8. In First Kings... Uh, I did not put those down. That's okay. First uh, Kings 3, 9, and 12. I believe that's where Solomon is asking for wisdom. And then James 1, 5. If any man lacks wisdom, he can ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. See, the word liberal is not necessarily a bad word. It just means abundance, freedom. And, uh, and it goes on to say, and he doesn't rebuke you. He, he doesn't upbraid you. So God wants us to look to him for wisdom because he is the one that gives it. Uh, letter A, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Uh, the word for stores up is the word uh, that translates hoard or reserve. Now you've all seen probably, whether it be in the news or maybe you watch the show, I don't know why you do this, but hoarders where some elderly person has either passed or some family member is uh, trying to help them in their difficulties, and you walk into their house, and there's a path about this wide that goes through all of the things. Sometimes they've just collected it over the years. Sometimes they're uh, on the uh, home shopping channel and buying it by the case, and they're just storing it all over the place. Well, that's the idea here. God stores up wisdom for the upright. Who are the upright? 
Yeah, the righteous. Those that are born again, those that uh, belong to him. They've been adopted into his family. John 7, 17 says, If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If you want to do God's word, uh, God's will, knowing whether or not his word is truth is not an issue anymore. If you don't want to know God's uh, will, then you're not going to know whether or not God's word is true. What's the biggest complaint of the average unbeliever when it comes to the word of God? Ah, it's written by men. It's been translated so many times. It is full of contradictions. So what do we know about them? They don't want to do God's will. And obviously, that is the state of mind, state of heart for an unbeliever. We've all been there. Okay? So it goes on, uh, letter B. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly, a protector. Uh, the word uh, in integrity, the idea of uh, a state of being whole, living as one professes. Uh, integrity is one of those uh, little difficult things that sometimes we kind of forget about. Uh, how important is the church? Uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people, there are those who church is one of those things you do. But if there's a Cardinals game on early and we got good seats, go into the Cardinals game. I don't know about you, but that, that just doesn't click in my brain. I, I like the Cardinals. Um, I wish they were playing a little bit better. Wow, what a horrible year. <laughs> but the reality is, is church is kind of important. Being around others of God's people is important. Uh, hopefully being an encouragement to them, sometimes maybe having to admonish is important. Sometimes being admonished is important. And uh, so whole point being is integrity. If you say you believe something, it's living according to what you said you believed. Uh, is church important? Personally, I think church is pretty important. Now, I recognize I grew up in a relatively legalistic background, and if the church doors were open, you were there. Not everybody thinks that way anymore. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but does, does, is that really important? Well, listening at home, there's a place for it. The church is a body. The cells of the body are touching one another. And they, they work together to accomplish things. Just saying. Okay, so integrity, living according to what you believe. Um, the, the reality is, is people do live according to what they believe. It's not so much what they believe, it's what they say they believe. That's where integrity comes in. Okay, moving right along. Uh, letter C, <coughs> excuse me, he guards the paths of justice. Basically, he protects and maintains uh, the paths. And he preserves the way of his saints. Uh, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you 
from evil. Imagine that. God is faithful. He is going to establish you. He's going to set the roots down nice and deep. He's going to give you the solid foundation to stand on. And he's going to, uh, how did he say it? He's going to keep you from evil. We're not talking about your condition. We're talking about your position. Okay? So he preserves the way of his saints. Number two, the benefits of getting wisdom found in verse 9. Then you shall understand righteousness. The word there is sedek, uh, the right. Natural, moral, or legal right. Is it right? <coughs> Excuse me. To have within the public school system sexual education for K through 12, where the book is full of illustrations, color in nature, uh, demonstrating the sexual acts of a husband and a wife. No, it is not right. Okay, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I don't even care if we're talking about a sex ed program, which when I was a youth pastor, boy, that was just one of those things that parents didn't want you even touching, uh, the subject of sex. Can I say, if you're studying the Bible, it's all over the place, especially if you're teaching Proverbs. You'll find it in here several times. It's not a matter of me teaching about sex. It's what does God say about it? Okay? Uh, there are a lot of things that over the years people have said about why you should wait and all that kind of stuff that uh, young people, they get married, they, uh, they've, they've followed all the rules. And all the rules are with the promise that everything's going to be great in your marriage. And then you got two sinners that get married they're believing lies that they've been told by believers and they get married and all of a sudden it's kind of like, you know, it's not like they said it would be. Hmm. Maybe we ought to teach the truth about the subject. But it's mom and dad's job and anybody that's going to be coming along uh, and helping in that situation shouldn't be talking about uh, an awful lot of information that they want to teach in the schools but ought to be backing up what God says about it. And when you talk about what God says about it, why wouldn't you teach it? Because what God says about it, it's good, it's pleasurable, there's a place and a time, and after that, he doesn't get into a whole lot of details, does he? So why wouldn't we teach that? Hmm. Uh, but again, we come back to our notes here. Uh, righteous, the things that are right, okay? Uh, you will understand justice. The word for justice here is mish, mishpat, a verdict, favorable or unfavorable. Uh, it's something that's pronounced uh, judicially. You'll understand equity, uh, a, a key word for a lot of your woke people. Uh, basically, it's the idea of an equal outcome. Well, it's still uh, a word that means evenness, the word is meshar. And uh, you will understand every good path. The word good there is tob. It means good as an adjective in the widest sense. When we say God is good in the Hebrew, it's God is tob. So when we're talking about good, we're not talking about, well, you know, it's kind of good, but, you know. I, I, no, no, no. It's good. 
Okay, you're going to understand every good path. That brings us to the benefits of having wisdom in verses 10 through 22. Uh, letter A, a description of having gained wisdom is found in verse 10. It says, when wisdom enters your heart. Now, a good thing to remember is from the Hebrew mindset, the heart is the center of one's being. In the New Testament, though the word heart is used sometimes, most of the time it refers to the mind, uh, the thinking center of a human. Uh, but uh, when wisdom enters your heart, the word enters here is bow. It means abides, applies, attain. Again, that concept of abiding, it's dwelling there. It's living there. It is part of who you are at that point. It goes on to say, uh, number two here, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. The word knowledge is da'ath. Uh, it basically means knowledge or cunning. Uh, pleasant is na'im, uh, to be agreeable, to pass in beauty, to delight, uh, to be pleasant, to be sweet. When knowledge... And again, most of the time we're going to be talking about the knowledge of God is pleasant to your soul. Understanding how, uh, who God is, what He's like, uh, how He wants things done. Uh, that's a joy. Uh, and that brings us back to the chief end of man, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Letter B, the use of wisdom for the one who has it. First of all, safety and preservation. Let me see here. Do I have these verses? I do. Oh, yes, I do. There they are. <laughs> I already changed the page, and I forgot to tell myself. Uh, Proverbs 6, 20 to 22. My son, keep your father's commands, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, uh, they will speak to you. Uh, so again... Uh, safety and preservation. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Uh, number two, deliverance from evil men found in verses 11, 15. Uh, the person who has wisdom will be preserved from the way of evil. Uh, you know, uh, when I was younger in my Christian walk, I'm considering the mission field. And of course, where light does not shine... That which is in darkness really likes to uh, show itself. I had heard enough uh, missionary stories, and so I got into some uh, tapes that came from JARS, J-A-A-R-S, which worked together with New Tribes Mission, because at the time, that was my interest. And as I grew up, I realized sharing the gospel with trees for 15 years while I'm learning a language, learning how to write it down, translate it, and uh, teach uh, the, uh, the Indians how to do that whole thing would drive me nuts. So going to a city was much more according to my personality and giftings. <laughs> and of course, Paul went to a lot of cities. And so, uh, but um, in uh, listening to these tapes, they were, they were basically dealing with power confrontations with demon-possessed people. Now, for the most part, we, on, in our areas, because of the charismatics and, and some of this crazy stuff that's out there in the uh, evangelical realm, we kind of look at that and say, yeah, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen like that. In fact, if you go to biblical history, 
Jesus, the time that he's on the earth is about the only time we have any real record of demon possession. And the word is not demon possession like the demon possesses the person. It's demonized. It basically means there's a real big influence uh, from a fallen angel in this person's life. And so uh, when we look at that, we sit there and say, yeah, that doesn't happen around here. Don't think that way. Consider how many people are homeless and at the same time they're not all there. Okay? Maybe they're not homeless, but they're not all there. You got to wonder how much influence the enemy has had on these people. Uh, and so that was one of those things that I was studying. And when you consider being kept from evil, we're seeing it more and more where people, well, we can talk about mass shootings. Uh, the st- statistics on mass shootings is nothing like you hear on uh, the news. <clears throat> Out of 200 and I think it's 13 nations that do some reporting on mass shootings, they would like you to believe that we're like number one or number two. Uh, the reality is, is we're like number 111. Um, because a lot of countries have much worse statistics when it comes to gun violence than uh, we do, even including St. Louis and Chicago. I know it's hard to believe, but if you take St. Louis, uh, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, and L.A. out of our gun stat numbers, we're like number 189 on that list of 213. So, um, But if you consider some of those people, um, and I, I want to say the most recent one, but it's not the most recent one, but it might be the one everybody remembers, uh, the trans girl down in uh, Tennessee at the Christian school. Uh, really? Uh, you didn't like something that the pastor said to you how many years ago because you felt like you were a boy even though you're a girl? And uh, so now you're going to go and kill kids? That's, it may not be demon possession, but it's definitely demonic in its uh, influence. That's the way of evil. Other ways of evil, you know, I was joking last week about I I don't get into serial killing movies. Uh, Assassination movies, I can handle that. You're getting paid to kill somebody. Knock them off. No problem. But uh, serial killing just, uh, you know, that's just wicked and evil. And someone else might say, well, assassinating someone is wicked and evil too. It's capitalism. What are you talking? No, uh, (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, uh, And no, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) But uh, uh, the reality is, is one at least makes some logical, reasonable sense from a human perspective. The other one is just evil. And you might think that the first one is evil, and that's understandable. But if you uh, gain wisdom and use it the way you're supposed to. It delivers you from the evil men, from the way of evil, the man who speaks perverse things. Uh, this this go, kind of goes back to uh, chapter 1, where if people say, hey, join with us, we're going to do that kind of thing. Uh, if you've gained wisdom, that'll keep you from that kind of thing. But uh, 
Let me see here. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Okay, so that's the... (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, to walk in the ways of darkness, Uh, those that leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil. Uh, Proverbs 10, uh, 23, to do evil is like a sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. How about Romans uh, 132? I think this really describes an awful lot of the left in our country. Uh, It says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, in other words, they know it's wrong, that there's going to be penalties for it, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Uh, You know, from 2016 to 2019, I read today in an article that uh, transgender surgeries had increased by like 300% or or something silly like that. Uh, What do some of our politicians that are on the left, they not only, they know there's only a boy and a girl, and they know that it is a biological thing, and it really doesn't matter how you feel, body dysphoria, they know all that, but they want the country as as a country to be going down a path of evil, and if a few kids are sacrificed in the meantime, it really doesn't matter. We want them to join our side. Wow, uh, the, these people are wicked, uh, and they delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and who are devious in their paths. Psalm one hundred twenty-five, uh, five. For as for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. Uh, so that's what wisdom will deliver you from when it becomes, when it enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Uh, number three, it'll deliver you from the evil woman. I uh, kind of can't wait until we get to. I believe it's Proverbs 7, because we're going to be dealing with the simple, the foolish young man uh, who isn't delivered from the evil woman. He goes down the path. Uh, But uh, notice uh, the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, in order to seduce, there has to be the promise of something that you really can only get from God. It's deceitful. Now, there will be a measure of truth in it, but it cannot do what it's saying it's going to do. So this seductress is offering something, promising something that what they're going to participate in cannot do what she's uh, offering. Uh, so notice um, Proverbs 5, uh, 3 
uh, for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smooth as oil. I'm sure this is dealing more with the concept of speech than whether or not she has lip gloss. Uh, Verse 20, for why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? 624, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. 7-5, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. And again, you know, history has shown us that uh, there's always some women out there that they, they're willing to say the things that wives probably ought to, but wives live with the guy. They know enough about him, and they're not thinking about those things. They're wishing he would change in all the areas that he needs to change. And so he's hearing one message from his wife, and then someone comes along and says all those nice, respectful, flattering things, and he goes, yeah. <laughs> well, if wisdom enters your heart, that's not really going to be an issue. Okay? Uh, that's the idea here. So uh, uh, some more description of her. She forsakes the companion of her youth. So basically she's in some kind of a, a civil union, a marriage, uh, however you want to put that. She forgets the covenant of her God. That would seem to in- indicate that she is in a marriage, okay? Uh, for her house leads down to death. Her paths lead to the dead, Proverbs 7:27 her house is in the way uh, is the way to hell descending to the chambers of death now what does that all mean that she lives on a street that's tilted towards hell and when people start going down that street to meet her they end up sliding and falling off into the pit no i i think the idea here is the person that gets caught up in this kind of life uh, ultimately because they're believing lies, they, they don't come back to the truth most of the time. It's never beyond God to save someone like that, but the further they go down that path, they end up dead in their sins and trespasses. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that fathers probably ought to warn uh, young men about when it comes to uh, that time when they begin dating and stuff like that, probably at 12, 13, not so much of an issue. But as they get older, uh, one of the temptations is, hey, right down the road, we've got all kinds of places where they can go watch girls dance half naked. And that's the beginning, the first steps, if you will, of going down this path. If you have wisdom, it'll deliver you from that. Uh, none, notice, none who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So that would seem to indicate that people that go down this path, they don't come out of it. Um, for those of us that have been at least on that path, that have come out of it, we can tell you how difficult it is to overcome uh, that area of temptation. Uh, It is uh, (laughs) mercy of God that uh, finally brings about uh, victory, if you will. Number four, directing them into the way of good men, verses 20 through 22. So you you may walk in the way of goodness. If uh, wisdom enters your heart, knowledge becomes pleasant to your uh, soul, you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness. 
That's the first thing. The second thing, for the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. Psalm uh, 37, uh, 3 and 29. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. You might remember that God's covenant with Israel was about a land. When we think of our covenant with God, uh, we're looking forward to the whole world. Hello. <laughs> okay? Uh, because it all belongs to him, and we get, we're ultimately inheriting it and get to rule over it with Christ. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but not too much so. Um, and then uh, the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. You know, whenever you give a positive or two, it's always good to remind them about the negative side of things so that you really get the understanding of the benefit of the positive. The wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Job 18.17, the memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name among the renowned. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-eight: The Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked, they shall be cut off. Psalm 104, 35. May sinners be consumed from the earth, and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. I want you to think with me for just a minute. We're getting out of here early, which is fine. But when we come to the end of the tribulation and Jesus is coming back, the people that would like to think in a post-tribulational rapture, if you take all of the righteous out of the earth, who's left? The unrighteous. Guess what happens to all of them? Every single one of them. They're all killed. They're all judged at that point. Not in the sense of the great white throne judgment. They are judged as being unrighteous. They are killed. Uh, you might remember, two will be laying in bed and one will be taken. Two will be working in the field and one will be taken. Well, in Luke 17, which is the complementary chapter to uh, Matthew 24, uh, one of the disciples asked Jesus, where will they be taken? And he says, to where the eagles are going to eat out their eyes. Excuse me? If that's the rapture, I don't want it. Well, that is a rapture. There are several raptures in the Bible. That's just not the rapture of the righteous, not the rapture of the church. Um, so all unbelievers die at the end of the tribulation. If all believers have been raptured and therefore glorified, who procreates to produce more people during the millennial kingdom? There's nobody left. One of the reasons why we don't think that's the best choice, those that do, we still love you, brothers. You'll find out you're wrong. I mean, um, uh, we were right. I mean, um, you know what I mean, <laughs> okay? Um, we do believe that the church is different than Israel. The tribulation is judgment on Israel and on the world. And therefore, we're going to be kept from it. Not because we're just so wonderful, but because we're the bride of the one who's going to be bringing all those judgments. Something to think about. He's the one that's bringing all those judgments. Hmm. So, uh, once again, we see this in Proverbs, where the wicked will be cut off. Now, unfortunately, it does have to happen twice. Second coming, it happens. Uh, then 
new heavens, new earth. Christ is reigning. We're reigning with him. Thousand years go by. And uh, those that were still alive at the end of the tribulation that were saved, they procreate and fill the earth. Hallelujah. And somewhere in the rush with Jesus visible. I, I don't know that they're going to have news at the time because they are obviously wicked. Uh, but, you know, everybody knows he's in control of everything. The sower is trying to outrun the reaper. That's how quick things are growing. It's paradise earth. Yeah, we don't like this because, you know, he's got some rules that uh, I, I just don't think he should be doing that to us. And Satan's going to be loosed from the pit He's going to come back. He's going to gather an army that is without number. And they're going to be marching towards Jerusalem. And before they can really do anything, by the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy them all. So even in paradise earth, when everybody starts out as believers, Christ is there to see everything is good. The sinfulness of man is such that they reject him still. So God will take care of that. Satan is bound that whole time, yeah. So they can't say the devil made me do it. So things to think about. A good reason to let wisdom enter your heart and knowledge be pleasant to your soul. Amen? Okay, let's pray. We'll let you go. Uh, Next week we'll try and get through chapter 3. We'll see how it goes. Father, thank you again for the encouragement that we see in your Scripture. Uh, the opportunity to gain wisdom, to no longer be simple or foolish, or for some of us even to be mockers. Uh, we recognize that in times past, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But now you have translated from darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you so much for that. Give us grace and wisdom to uh, know you better to walk with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All righty, we'll see you Wednesday.